Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Lawrence Taylor speaking from the Kenilworth Baptist Church, and this is Reflection on the Scripture. Today, we're going to talk about what's going on in the Middle East. Uh, I'd like to uh, read a verse of Scripture for you in the Psalms. In Psalm 122, 122, and this is a, a verse that many of you are familiar with. It reads, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Now, I'm going to read verse 7 too. It says, may peace be within your walls and prosperity within your places. So there, the psalmist uh, and the uh, psalm writer, in this case, is David, gives us a picture of his ascent up to the temple. As he's going up the temple, he's inspired by uh, what he feels and what he sees. Uh, and he starts this psalm off by saying, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. In other words, he's entering into the temple now. And he says, this is a, a joyful thing to do. But then he thinks about Jerusalem, and he asks a benediction on the city of Jerusalem. And this Benediction is, pray for the peace of Jerusalem in verse 6. May they prosper who love you. Now, this is often quoted by Christians with reference to what's going on in the Middle East today. Um, Israel's most ardent supporters are evangelicals. if you go to Israel, you will just see buses of evangelicals go, go there. They go there for tourism, uh, see the sites. Um, they go to the Jordan to get baptized. Uh, they go uh, into the, uh, to, to have communion there and, and, and a number of other things they do. But let me suggest one thing they don't do. They never, and I mean never, go there for the purpose of evangelism. Right? No, no, no church. None of these churches ever go to Israel for the purpose of evangelizing. And there's a good reason why. Because the moment they engage in that, that would violate their, that, that is Israel's proselytizing and they will place you under arrest. And they will put you on a plane and send you right back home. They do not allow that in their country. Do not go out in the streets passing out tracts and telling people about Jesus because that in Israel is against the law. So it's interesting how these churches keep lauding Israel with going there for the purpose of feeling, you know, this sense of camaraderie with the Israelis. And, but 
Israelis are keeping a distance from you. And in fact, I've been to Israel three times. If you speak to the Israelis about evangelical Christians, and there have been books written about this, articles uh, in the Washington Post and the New York Times, they all tell you that Jews do not trust Christians. They don't trust evangelicals. Sure, they want their support. Sure, they want their money. That's without doubt. But they t- they, they've told me, and I've read this numerous times, they do not trust Christians because they say the Christians have an agenda. And that agenda is to convert Jews to Jesus. I happen to be involved in a group um, known all over the country, um, the JCC groups. These were uh, uh, Jewish organizations, and, and they come together. And this group is a, a discussion group, and, and I'm, I'm part of that. Uh, and uh, I can tell you we've had many discussions about Christians in Christianity, and the, the group consists of about 60 people. Everybody on that platform, every Jewish person on that platform, and there's only two of us in the group who are not Jewish. There's one, there's this Irish guy, and there's me. And, and of course, I need not tell you, I'm, I'm the fly in the sugar, <laughs> okay? So these people, uh, if you don't know what that means, you need to look it up. Okay, but anyway, uh, in terms of what goes on there, they tell you right off the bat, every one of them, we do not trust Christians. We don't trust them. Yeah, we welcome their support, but we don't want to really uh, have much to do with them. I had a Talmudic scholar. Uh, teaches at uh, Columbia University. Might be retired by now. A Talmudic scholar say to a bunch of us Christians, listen, you keep saying you love me. Stop loving me. And frankly, you have loved us to death. (laughs) And we don't want your love anymore. Just leave us alone. Now, of course, when he says leave us alone, he didn't mean stop supporting us and our in our struggle in, in Israel. It means stop trying to convert us to Christianity. Well, uh, I want you to know that when people cite this verse, they unfortunately take it out of its context and try to justify some horrendous things that's going on in the Middle East today. So we learn about the attack, uh, the missile attack, uh, on Israel yesterday by uh, Hamas. And um, this, this came from the Gaza. And it's interesting that when I listen to the news programs, CNN, MSNBC, Fox, um, they all have a certain narrative. And that narrative is, well, what the president of the United States said. Well, what did he say? He said, we must support Israel. Those were his remarks yesterday. We must support Israel. Uh, And we're not going to let any government like Iran or anybody else, he didn't say Iran, but you know he he was talking about Iran, uh, step into this situation. The United States is warning them, stay out of it. 
Well, <clears throat> people who think that this conflict and today uh, the Prime Minister uh, Benjamin Netanyahu uh, said, declared war on Hamas. So we are at war. He announced yesterday uh, that all Palestinians are to get out of the Gaza. Uh, which, which, which is a mind-boggling kind of thing, right? He says, get out. Now, what does he mean when he says get out? What he means is that he's going to decimate the place. <laughs> That's in essence what he's telling everybody. He's going to level that place down to the ground. I mean, you had 200 Israelis who died. This is uh, quite a few. because The numbers are usually very small, but you had 200, and some of them are being held as hostages. So, uh, um, Netanyahu uh, said, get out. But that was the problem in the first place because the Gaza has been, for the last 57 years, a humanity crisis. Now, let me tell you that what I'm saying uh, is not merely based on alternative news sources that I had, but I was up close. I saw it with my own eyes. And I told you I'd been there for three, three times. Second time I went there, I, was, I spent most of my time in the West Bank. And in the West Bank, you see these so-called settlements, because that's what they call them, settlements. And they're really not settlements. These places are like cities. And they are moving Arabs from their homes. They go in and tell them, get out. We, we, this is our land. We're taking it over. They want to rename the West Bank Judea Samaria. That's the term that uh, many uh, people in Israel are using now, and, and also in the United States, uh, especially among religious Jews who believe that that land was given to them in the first place. They said that, look, that area should not even be called the West Bank. You call it Judea Samaria. Because if you call it the West Bank, it implies that it belongs to the Arabs. You call it Judea Samaria, that means it belongs to the Jews. So, uh, whatever precipitated this, we know what the end is going to look like, and it's not going to be a pretty picture. So, in, 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 in case, in, 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 by the way, when I say 200 uh, is, uh, people in Israel died, we don't know if they were all Jews. It could have been Arabs, too. But the numbers too, it may be more than that by now. I don't know what the count, the last uh, count is. Uh, and the numbers uh, in the Gaza, we don't exactly have those numbers yet, uh, but they're way up there, way up there. I know over a thousand have been injured. I don't know how many fatalities they have. Those numbers keep changing. But um, I want you to know that this humanity crisis has been going on for at least 56 years. People in the West Bank have been living under the most horrendous conditions. So, it, it, and, you, and, I, and I saw that people in, in, the, in the Gaza have been living under the worst conditions. Israel did not let us go into the Gaza. It was there three times. No, you can't go in there. Now, they tell you, well, it's because you're in danger. No, they just don't want 
the world to see what's going on in there. In the Gaza. Just like you have in areas of the West Bank. Uh, the people there have no control over their water. If the water is not shipped in from Israel, they don't get water. Uh, they have taken total freedom of movement away from the people in the Gaza. You're in the Gaza, you're stuck in the Gaza. That's why it was so humorous to hear the prime minister of Israel say, get out. They've been trying to get out. <laughs> okay. You've kept them captive in there. Uh, to show ownership, um, and I got pictures of this. You, know, you can't see them, but I, I, I have pictures there on my phone where they actually burn down the olive trees, the, the, the olive trees of the Arabs. Burn those trees down. Because they said, we don't want you producing oil. We don't want you to have any kind of independence. You have an apartheid situation in the West Bank. You have an apartheid system, worse in the Gaza, where your movement is limited. You have to have a passport, just like they did in South Africa. I am not lauding Hamas or the Palestinian authorities or Hezbollah and those other groups. I'm not. I'm not lauding them and saying, yay, they're right. Uh, the PLO, Palestinian Liberation Organization, I'm not saying any Yasser Arafat. But what I'm saying is that the situation in the Gaza was inevitable. It was going to happen because you can only keep people down for so long before they explode. And that's what's happening today. There has been an explosion. Explosion that they may not have anticipated. But they're going to take the Israeli government, especially uh, the Likud under uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, they're going to take full advantage of that. Uh, and they're going to push those people out, and they may even use those areas for further settlements. Uh, and not that they have settlements in the West Bank, but that they, you know, they, I believe that's what will eventually happen. Now, people say, we got to pray, uh, pray for the peace there. Yes, you do. I want to show you another passage that's not often quoted by these evangelical Christians. And I, I don't understand why, but in the Gospel of Luke, and this is Jesus speaking, okay? Uh, it says, beginning at verse 41 to 44, let me read it to you. When he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it. Now listen to these words in verse 42, saying, If you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. Did you get that? I know no one ever quotes that. You know, they, they run to Psalm 122, verse 6, but they never quote these words from Jesus with reference to Jerusalem. And let me read that again in verse 42. If you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, 
but now they have been hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side. And they will level you to the ground and your children within you, and they will not leave you, not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Now, of course, the time of visitation is referring to Jesus. Jesus says, you rejected me. Now, he's talking to the city of Jerusalem. He goes and he cries over the city and says, it's not going to bode well for you because you have rejected me. And now you could have had peace, but instead you chose to reject the Prince of Peace. And as a result, he says, and this is Jesus pronouncing this on them, uh, the things that make for peace are hidden from your eyes. You will not know peace. This is what he tells them. You will have total unrest there. And your unrest is because of the rejection of the Messiah. How come Christians don't get that? They're standing around waving the Israeli flag. I went to a meeting one time, and I got to tell you, it was a bunch of Christians. The place was packed with people, uh, and they started, um, it was about Israel, and, and they pulled out their Israeli flags, and they were waving them all. I was the only guy there without an Israeli flag, and I didn't want one, okay? <laughs> and uh, it may have been one next to me, but I wasn't going to wave that around. And, and, and it's not because I'm opposed to Israel. I recognize that God has pronounced on the nation a blindness until they come to know the Messiah. That's right. God has imposed that blind. In fact, let me give it to you. In Romans chapter 11, Romans chapter 11, in beginning at verse 25, here's what the Apostle Paul wrote. For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery so that you will not be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening, and the word hardening can mean blindness too in Greek, a partial hardening has happened to Israel. Got that? Now, partial means temporary. Not part of it is blind, but it means a temporary blind. Partial hardening has happened to Israel. Now look, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. Just as it's written, the deliverer will come from Zion and he will remove ungodliness from Jacob. So here's what the Apostle Paul said. That God has imposed a blindness or hardening on Israel so that they will not come to the truth of the Messiah, until the Messiah himself comes. He is defined here as the deliverer. 
And what will the deliverer do? It says, the deliverer will come from Zion and he will remove ungodliness from Jacob. Human beings can't do it. Only God can do it. So the atrocities that are going on need, should be reported, but they're not going to be reported by the news because Israel receives more money in terms of foreign aid from the United States than any nation in the world. And in fact, if you combine the amount of money that the United States gives to Israel, it is just a fraction. Uh, uh, that money uh, uh, is more than what the whole continent of Africa and the continent of Asia receives. So I'm not bemoaning those. That's just reality. But I am saying that if you are a believer in Christ, you need to look at this a little more broadly and not with this kind of blindness that has been put on your eyes where you're screaming, but Israel, yeah, yeah, Israel, down with the Arabs. I had a guy, a Christian. Now, this guy is a Christian. Say, I don't know why Israel is even fooling around with those people. Why don't, he just, why don't they just blow them off the map? I said, um, <clears throat> here's the Bible. Give me book, chapter, and verse where you can support that statement. I mean, give me, give me, a, give me a book, chapter, or verse where you can support that God says he wants to commit genocide against the Arabs. I thought the Bible said God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So the point that I'm making is that you need to look at this a little uh, more, um, I think, open-mindedly and see that uh, God has a, a plan, ultimate plan, and that plan will come to its fruition when the Messiah comes. All right, well, uh, thank you for listening. I hope you got some of it, something out of it. Hey, and if you disagree, uh, you can uh, write to church. And, and let me know, you know, and um, I'll be glad to respond to uh, your letters. I'm not one of those guys who say, hey, don't write me, no dumb letters, you know. <laughs> okay. Uh, and you can leave a comment on, on, on when you watch this on YouTube. Leave a comment. I like to hear your comments. All right. So uh, thank you for listening uh, and have a nice day. <laughs>